Hey, Marvelites, this is Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M, and you are listening to Marvel's The Pull List. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And uh, normally we have our big bombastic intro, uh, but as we were recording this episode, we got the news that Stan Lee passed away, which is honestly hit me. It's it's hitting me now. It's a, a tough thing. So we'll go through a good chunk of the books this week, and we're normal, and we're wild and then maybe our tones change just a little bit and then just letting you know why uh hug somebody just give them a hug that's all let's get into the books all right let's start with amazing spider-man number nine it's written by nick spencer with pencils by humberto ramos and michele bandini inks by victor olazaba and michele bandini colors by edgar delgado and eric garciniega and letters by vcs joe caramagna this is really interesting issue because we set out a kind of mystery some strange circumstances happening around not just spidey but a bunch of other heroes in new york and elsewhere essentially like whatever the thing is that makes them tick was kind of taken away whether that was powers whether that was like something iconic to them that accoutrement yeah something that gives them their powers and makes them you know gives them the ability to carry out their super heroics was kind of taken away just just disappeared so we we unravel that mystery a little bit more here but this also ends up being a pretty personal issue and we explore a lot of things via not just peter parker but with Black Cat and his relationship with Felicia Hardy. Uh, You know, they'll be punching each other in the face one minute, hugging and kissing the next minute. I mean, Uh, in the 80s, they had this they had a relationship. It was really interesting. And for those of you who have played Marvel's Spider-Man exclusively on PlayStation 4, this is a really neat issue to read alongside that, because in Marvel Spider-Man, the heist DLC, mm -hmm. you get to see a lot more of their relationship. And I start to hear Felicia's voice as I was reading this, which was neat. And appropriately, this story arc is called heist whoa (gasps) good job spidey team mj is on her own mission uh figuring things out she's in detective mode in here which is really really cool you know the mystery starts to become unraveled and things are well on their way for fight times yeah and time fight times the thieves guild yes yes the thieves they stole tippy toe from squirrel girl yep that is low that's cruel yeah that's messed up all right What's not messed up is Avengers number 10, my first pick of the week. Oh, boy. Oh, my gosh. There's 23 issues out this week. Two of them are 900 pages each and packed with awesomeness. This is one of them. And uh, this is Avengers number 10, but it's also Avengers number 700 in legacy numbering, which is incredible Mm -hmm. to think about that we've gotten 700 issues. It is written by Jason Aaron, and the main story is drawn by David Marquez and Ed McGinnis, but there's guest artists in this book, which, oh my gosh, so good. Fraser Irving, Adam Kubert, Andrea Sorrentino, and it's amazing. There's the colorist here, Justin Ponsor, Eric Arseniega, Fraser, Matt Wilson, Giada Marquisio, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. It is huge and masterful. And usually when I read a comic for Marvel's Pull List, I make notes and, and, and think about stuff as I go along. I read this entire issue, which is massive, all the way through without putting it down or making any notes. Like, I was compelled to keep reading it the entire time. When I did put it down, honestly, I did a little shimmy. I was like, ooh, this book is so good. I danced completely without even thinking about it. (laughs) It made me so happy. The comic is pure 
wonder and excitement and one of the reasons why I love Marvel. Like if someone asked me for a single issue to give them a piece of my heart that is devoted to Marvel Comics, this would be one of those issues. This sort of typifies to me everything I love about Marvel. The heroics, the complicated villains, the big teams, the the banter, the action, the excitement, the amazing art, the wonderful relationships and, and, and quips and all kinds of stuff. I don't even know where to start, really. Like, the main story is about four major super teams. The Avengers, the Defenders of the Deep, which is Namor's ridiculously cool squad of aquatic supers. The Winter Guard, which is a squad of Russian supers that mixes uh, new and old. So you have Ursa Major, Mm -hmm. who is, honestly, everybody, should be everybody's favorite character, Mm -hmm. is a giant Russian bear. And then there's a fourth team here, Mm. but I remember hearing about this fourth team at one of our editorial summits, and I got them goose pimples on my arms. It's so good. So cool, so fun, and I will not spoil anything more about it, but you have to read this issue because it's kind of a game changer. Yeah. It's really, really neat. You know, you have these huge battle pages by Ed McGinnis. Just this big battle over sovereignty, over, you know, Namor and his people are like, get out of our oceans. You are polluting and killing our people. Mm-hmm. That will not stand. And the Avengers are like, yeah, but then you killed like two dudes. Please don't do that. Yeah. And Namor's like, you're murdering our children with your garbage. Yeah. I am on Team Namor here. It's not a <laughs> yeah. surprise. Yeah. And then the Winter Guard are just like, hey, guys, we want to be a part of this too. I want to punch somebody. You got like, dude, like King Crab. And you got a giant jellyfish. It's rad. It's super cool. But then... You've got more stories. You've got the story of Odin and a Robbie Reyes ghostwriter drawn by Fraser Irving. Oh, so good. Oh gosh. Fraser doesn't do a ton of work for Marvel. He's done some, but it's infrequent. And he's just one of those gorgeously brilliant storytellers. Masterful. He this just is, follows his own rules. Yeah. It, it just is so idiosyncratic and specific. It's and so cool. one page is like haunting. You know the page I'm talking about? It's got like the faces up here. And yeah. Ooh. Nah, it's gnarly. Uh, we've got a Loki Wolverine celestial story drawn by Adam Kubert, which is super cool. Ties into stuff you may be reading in Thor. Stuff from the first arc of this Avengers run is really cool. And then you have a Wasp secret character story, because I will not spoil that secret character. That one is drawn by Andrea Sorrentino. And Jason Aaron, he continues to just like kick the snot out of my expectations for what yeah. this book is. The stories are funny. They are wonderfully action-packed. They're thoughtful. His villains are vicious and healy, while at the same time, they are multidimensional, very Marvel villains. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I say, Namor and his people, while they are, you can look at them as villains, they're at the same time like, I can't disagree with their point. Yeah. Maybe their actions are, are tough, but... I know where they're coming from. And Jason's sense of history and inclusiveness is just second to none. This is the best. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in recent years, there has been, you know, when you think of the Avengers, you think of the great foes of the Avengers. And up there on that list are the Black Order. And this week we have the Black Order number one, which is written by Derek Landy with pencils by Philip Tan, inks by Mark Deering, Guillermo Ortega, and LeBeau Underwood, colors by J. David Ramos, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, We have interviews with both Derek Landy and Philip Tan on Marvel.com right now. Go check those out. Really, really cool as we dive into the narrative of things, placing this group of kind of classic evil characters in the protagonist role and and playing around with that and also digging into Philip's perspective on what he wanted to bring with the art, which is so fantastic. It's chaotic. It's a little bit scratchy. It is these like great kind of cosmic 
muted tones in a way that just adds to the tone and feeling of the entire thing. It's really great. Philip is amazing. He's been doing a lot more covers for us again lately, but he's got a little bit of a Jim Lee vibe. Mm. Like, And then Philip takes it in a different direction. It's so cool. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the protagonist role that, that these characters are playing, that doesn't mean that they're good. That just means that they are on a mission and we're following them on that mission and we're kind of seeing things through their perspective. And beside that, this is still a team up book, you know, so we get to explore those relationships of the Black Order. We get to see the dynamics, how they relate to each other, not just in the kind of big chaotic moments, but certainly in the in the quieter moments uh, as they're journeying around. What's really cool as well, and you can get a taste of it on the cover, uh, which is by Philip Tan and Peter Steigerwald, the specter of Thanos kind of looms large amongst this team, which is always really cool. Yeah. The thing that struck me about this book was that it's really funny. Yeah. You know, like the husband and wife sort of team leaders with Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight. And Corvus is like, he's dealing with like his own insecurities about, am I funny? (laughs) And Proxima, she's very pithy. She loves violence. She's sort of like, no, honey. I, I mean, my dear, you're not. It's okay though. I've heard, I've heard, I've had that conversation at home many times. <laughs> uh, you know, you have Black Dwarf, who is Corvus's brother. He's this big monster. Everybody mauls the psychological horror. Black Swan, the dangerous mystery. But there's also funny bits around all of them. I am an instant fan reading this book. Absolutely. Next is Captain America number five, written by Tanahasi Coates, art by Laniel Francis Yu, with inks by Jerry Allen Guilin and Laniel, colors by Sonny Go, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. One of my favorite lines of this week comes in this book and is, quote, give me a little inspiration, something to fight for, and I'll give you a world of problems. And Cap says this during the fight with Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, he gets that inspiration. He gets that something to fight for. And it is awesome. Do not poke the bear, Taskmaster, because then you're going to get the horns. Yeah. Is that that the saying? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Bears have horns. I'm familiar with (laughs) these creatures. Anyway, huge issue for the run, tying in some really great other Captain America stories. I won't say anything more, but uh, if you've been reading this, it's like, whoa, doggy. The last page, potential nightmare for Captain America and the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really dig is how Ta-Nehisi in this issue sets up Selene and how dangerous she is after the battle with Taskmaster. Captain America is like, oh, he was he was easy. Like he has trouble with Taskmaster, but he sees Celine. He's like, oh, Taskmaster is easy. Celine has taken down full teams of X Men. Mm-hmm. That idea of escalation of of foes and and the battles is something I love. Probably because I play a lot of video games, and you know, <laughs> you're like, I beat this boss. Oh no, that boss is so much harder. Yeah, I, I, that's me playing video <laughs> games. If you didn't know. Uh, I just wanted to to point out one note that I have. The first note that I have about this book is that. Lineal Francis Yu is a king. The, it's just, yeah. I, he's one of my favorites. There's so a the shot of, of Steve choking out Taskmaster yeah. and the eyes. Mm-hmm. Like that has been stuck in my head since I read yeah. that issue. Could totally, totally agree. Uh, next up though, we have Cosmic Ghost Rider number five. This is it. This is the final issue of this limited series, which has been so much fun, ridiculous amounts of fun brought to you by Writer Donnie Cates, artist Dylan Burnett, colorist Antonio Fabella, and letterer VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, it all comes to a head here. Uh, we get to see Cosmic Ghost Rider going up against Punisher Thanos, who is the grown-up son of future Frank Castle, who is taking care of 
baby version of his grown-up son who is now both back in time fight, facing himself and his kind of dad in a way. Who's on first? Uh, that's right. You know, one of the things going into this series, one of the questions I, I asked Donnie was, how do the roots of Frank Castle, the Frank Castle in Central Park with his family, where it all started, how do those roots still resonate in this character millions of years in the future, having gone through so much, been Harold, been, you know, uh, sold, sold the, to devil. the devil, you know, it's so, just so far away from his original roots, you would think. But specifically in this issue, it's really, really cool to see the notion of fatherhood and how it still lingers with him despite everything, despite where he finds himself now. There are those beats where it comes back in because this grown-up Thanos, like I said, is kind of a product of what ba the baby Thanos that is going on the Cosmic Ghost Rider tour has seen uh, and becomes this later version. Frank, of course, doesn't want that. Uh, there is some really, really fantastic little quiet moments amidst all the madness with the Titan. It is, like I said, this is so much fun. Fantastic final issue uh, because not only does, uh, does it address all the story points, the characters, things like that, but it just maintains the soul of the book all along. It's not just wrapping up plot lines and being neat. It still has the soul of like this live fast, die hard, metal, just like zooming away on his like cosmic, you know, motorcycle thing. Yeah, just encapsulates it all. Yeah, and I think it's really very much also a product of Donnie and Dylan together. Mm -hmm. You know, like the utter heartbreak and sadness at the core of so much of this. Like there's this one shot of Ghost Rider blasting away and there's like these, like this stream of like, Hellfire Tears or yeah. something coming out of his eye sockets. It's so out of control, ridiculous, but I was completely sold. It made sense because the creators are so good and they've told this story so well and you believe all that is happening there. Yeah. This is the end of Cosmic Ghost Rider, the limited series, but no way is it the end for Cosmic Ghost Rider, the character. He will be back, brought to you by... Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw, the team behind Thanos wins next year in Guardians of the Galaxy. Can't wait to see how that ends up. Ew, just like Thanos says. <laughs> All right. Up next is Daredevil number 611. Again, every issue's got like this cool uh, fear theme. Yeah. This issue's theme, the fear of fears. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Phobophobia. Love it. Yes. It is written by Charles Soule, art by Phil Noto, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. The phobophobia is sort of like this fear of fears, fear of anxiety and paranoia. And uh, one of the things I love, not something we get to talk about often, Stilt Man. Yeah. And we get to see Phil Noto draw the hell out of Stilt Man. Looks cool. And honestly, Charles and Phil do a hell of a job in making Stilt Man cool and powerful and formidable. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of wild because he's a dude on big with a big metal battle suit that just yeah. makes him tall. Yeah. It's great. I don't know. I could be going on a limb here because there's a lot of issues to think about, but this may be my favorite arc of Charles's entire Daredevil run. Yeah. It's all coming together in, in just the best ways. It's been superb, but, you know, with Phil in the mix, it's just like next level good. There's a few pages of a manic battle inside an arena in here. Daredevil versus a slew of villains. It's chaos and, and fury and Matt Smarts, and it's one of the coolest bits in the entire series. Yeah. Really, really great issues. 
Totally agreed. Next book is a Marvel Digital Original. It's Daughters of the Dragon number one. That gets two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's double size. It's a massive issue, and it is my second pick of the week. And this is, you know, uh, Marvel Digital Original, so if you don't read digitally, you won't see this on your shelves just yet, but you can get it at the Marvel app, and it is amazing. It's written by Jed McKay, art by Travel Foreman and Jordan Gibson, letters by Ferran Delgado. Look, the first panel of this issue is Misty Knight wearing this dope suit, listening to a pretty dang obscure 70s San Francisco punk rock band called Crime. I didn't even really know much about crime, but like I was like, I like these lyrics. What is this? Mm. So I found an literally, uh, I think it was an Angel Fire page. With Don't all even know what that is. Angel Fire <laughs> was a web hosting platform from before your time, sort of like GeoCities. Are you familiar oh, with Oh, I've heard. I've at least heard that. AOL had like- yeah. In ye early days of the internet, <laughs> I found all the lyrics to crime songs on this Angel Fire page. It was great. And then wow. you can listen to this on uh, YouTube. The The song is called Samurai. It's actually terrific soundtrack to listen to while you're reading the issue. So good. So Jed, he recently wrote that wonderful Spider-Man story in Vault of Spiders, the yeah. one we talked about a week or two ago. And when I went to talk to Nick Lowe to yell at him about how great that story was, he then yelled back at me with joy and love about this book. And he was right. It is so good. Travel Foreman is a friggin' legend. Oh, man. He is a master. I just want to make that clear. He does the cosmic weird stuff we saw in Ultimate Squared, street level gritty stuff that, you know, we just saw in Marvel Knights 20th, number one, and he does it all perfectly. Here, it's grindhouse samurai Tarantino kung fu, gun fu, tripped out wild action comedy horror. Mm -hmm. It is all this wrapped into one. And at one point, Colleen gets hit by a poison dart and starts seeing things. It gets weird. It's so cool. The lettering changes. The thing, everything is warped in a weird way. You just dive into this other world. It, like, and really seeing it digitally, it just added to the experience for me. It, it made it really cool because you just see all those colors pop so well, especially in that sequence. For me, one of my one of the things I was I wrote down about this book is that this is the book that I've wanted since Tales of Suspense, since Travel Foreman's. Tales of Suspense with Matt Rosenberg earlier this year, one of my favorite limited series in a long time. This is perfectly right in that like sweet spot of like buddy cop. Exactly like you said, it's a mixture of like eight genres, but somehow it works perfectly. Yeah. There's this an effect, you were talking about the lettering, but also in this effect where Colleen is under the influence of this poison, her eyes go all swirly to mm -hmm. sort of signify that she's not okay. And it reminded me of the Fantastic Mr. Fox movie. Yeah. Uh, where, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yep. Which I love. Yeah. So good. Get this issue. Listen to Crime or the MC5 while you read it. It kicks out the jams. Huge recommendation. Eventually, like the other MDOs, they will be collected in a, a print trade, which you can get at your local comic shop. But really, do not wait. Run out and get this mm -hmm. as soon as you can. Totally. Next up, we have Domino number eight, which is written by Gail Simone with art by my man, David Baldeon, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Did uh, you get to meet David at New York Comic Con? I didn't. I kind of peered at him from afar Whoa. in Artist Alley, where he was kind of in that awesome lineup of oh like, gosh. of uh, it was him, it was Javier Garon, David we, Lopez. David Lopez, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of looking over there, literally like, 
oh my god, that is like a glowing orb of like white hot talent right there in those three seats. Really cool. But uh, this is Soldier of Fortune Part 2, and it's really cool because... First of all, we get a great cover by Gang Hyuk Lim, yeah. uh, where Whoa. we see uh, Morbius, the living vampire, kind of about to bite into Domino's neck. And what I love about this book. Hold on. Yes. Question I have to ask you, Tucker. Yes. Vampires, sexy or no? You know, I've never really asked myself this question. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Because it's more fun. Yeah. But like this cover <laughs> is scary and and dangerous but also kind of sexy like there's something about it and it's just weird uh yeah i like the like feathered hair maybe that adds nicely yeah. to it he's a looker um, michael morbius yeah gets the snaps uh what i love about what gail simone has done with domino is pairing nina with Outlaw and Diamondback, she's kind of made really great trio. And, you know, Gessamon is such a kind of peppy, really fun writer who uh, takes advantage of those kind of relationship dynamics really well. So it's great to see her do that with this little team up that this book ends up being. We saw at the end of the last issue, uh, the group comes across uh, the old vamp in the middle of the woods and uh, it was kind of scary and creepy. Here they're trying their best to contain the situation. I also want to mention really quickly something that you have mentioned recently is in the kind of opening of each of these stories, it's like it's not the credits page. It kind of comes after that. But it's like a old school uh, movie poster that's inserted into each story, which I love so much just like 70s kind of vampire to really lean into the vibe of that was is just so much fun yeah and it actually is integrated into the story flow yeah. so it's not just a gratuitous like random splash it actually it's a story beat but also works as this big moment is wonderful yeah it's super super creative uh something that uh, only this series does and really again david Balion, this is what he was put on planet earth to do to draw weird monsters and uh people running scared and and fighting he is a master of that he has such a specific style which i love so much and it just works so perfectly with the story arc and if you wanted to know something about uh, Morbius, Living Vampire, this is a great little primer issue for him. Yeah. You get to know a little bit about him, and you'd be like, oh, I want to learn more. And there's plenty more. <laughs> uh, all right. Up next is Exiles number 10. Storytellers on this issue are Saladin Ahmed and Javier Rodriguez, as they are credited in the page. Inks by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Munza Vicente, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The storyline ending in this issue, uh, in which the team was tossed into... A reality it follows the 1001 Nights fairy tales. Aladdin, Alibaba, etc. is really cool. In this issue, Javier just goes to town with a version of Mephisto that is huge and creepy and super cool. There's this full page splash of Mephisto and this world's doom that is just dynamite. Mm -hmm. He's so cool. There's twists and turns here, especially when we get to the end of this issue. One of the things I always think about is the challenge of designing new characters new costumes, new worlds, every issue, sometimes multiples in every issue, and that they're all so thoughtful and they're special and they are very clearly conceived and mm -hmm. you know finalized. I love this book so much. Exactly what you're saying there. Like that is exactly the definition of, of how I would describe 
Saladin's work. He's so precise. He's so thoughtful. It's really incredible. And I would uh, love to give a plug to uh, a recent clip that we released from Marvel's Voices, where Anjali Crochet sat down with Saladin to talk to him about all of that and more. He is the best. Also, fun little behind-the-scenes secret, Saladin's wearing my sweatshirt in that video. Ooh, did it feel warm when you got it back? I was like, it has a special feeling to me now. I was like, huh, this dude did it. Anyway. He's the best. If we find there's a clone of Saladin, it'll be because he <laughs> yeah. left a hair yep. on your sweatshirt. One of his long, glorious hair. hairs. Yeah, yeah, you took that hair and then you did some science to it. <laughs> I've got you, Tucker. Uh, next up this week, we have Fantastic Four number three. And it's written by Dan Slott with art by Sarah Pichelli and Nico Leon. Colors by Marte Gracia and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue, we see a bunch of heroes who have arrived in outer space to help in the fight against the Griever, who is uh, looking to destroy pretty much everything that Franklin has built himself in, you know, his journeys across the stars with his old mom and dad and sis. But what's so special about this issue is that this is really the reunion. This is really what it all comes down to. Uh, Fantastic Four number one and Fantastic Four number two have done some great rebuilding because it takes a lot of, uh, you know, bricklaying on this pathway to the real reunion of this squad. We've been waiting for it for years. And this is the issue where we really finally start digging into those emotional beats where these characters start having their little moments together where they're finally getting to see each other again. It's so lovely to see uh, Ben and Johnny get to know their family again to kind of hug them and see them again and just release this emotion amidst all of the action that's going on. One of my favorite things about this issue, though, is I love how Dan Slott gets to the heart of Reed Richards here because in a very tacit, very subtle way, for me, I interpreted it this way. It's Dan, you know, really leaning into the classic idea that Reed Richards' superpower isn't, you know, his stretching ability isn't anything physical or, or really visual like that. It's his relentless mind. It's his problem-solving ability. It's that side of him which never gives up, which always just kind of has a pencil and pad and says, just give me a second, just give me a second, I'm going to figure this out. And I love that. I love that so much. Uh, you know, I could dig into this issue for ever. Uh, there's a fantastic moment with Spider-Man who amidst the the fighting and action, he goes up to Franklin and starts to give him a, like a classic Peter Parker Spider-Man pep talk where he's like, you know, power, responsibility. And he's like, you have the greatest power, so you have the greatest responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And Ben is like, no way. And he like literally just rips Spider-Man up by his collar and yeah. is like, what are you doing? Like, don't let put him, that on the yeah, kid. Let him be a child. He has a ton of power already. Like, he already has enough on his plate. Just leave him alone, Pete. Uh, it's really, really funny. There are like five of those great little moments in this issue. This is really a, a big emotional release of an issue, which I love so much. And uh, we're now kind of full speed ahead on the Fantastic Four train. Heck yeah. Yeah. Up next is Infinity Wars, Infinity Warps. Number one, this is so silly and so much fun. Yeah. So it is the uh, anthology book for Infinity Wars, giving us little stories about warped characters. In here, we've got three stories plus a framing sequence about a character called Observer X, which is the Watcher, 
and Professor X together, written by Jim Zub, art by Flaviano and Ruth Redman. Then we get the story of the Terrific Two, which is the Fantastic Four halved, written again by Jim Zub with art by Todd Nock, Osgur Ilderim, and Scott Hanna, colors by Ruth Redman, Matt Yaki, and Chris O'Halloran. Uh, we've got a Moon Squirrel and Tippisaur storyline, uh, which is great. It's uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, along with Squirrel Girl and Tippy Toe, written by Ryan North. Art by Natasha Bustos, colors by Tamar Bonvillain, which is actually an infinity warp of the creative teams of those two books, which is great. And then we've got a Green Widow story written by Mariko Tamaki and art by Francisco Herrera, which is uh, Black Widow and She-Hulk. Just super fun. Lots of mashed up heroes and villains. In addition to the ones we talked about, there's Master Mole and his Sentinoids. We've got Cat's Eye, who is... Hellcat and Hawkeye. Uh, oh, Dr. Doomactus, which mm-hmm. is Dr. Doom and Galactus. It's just fun. Yeah. Straight up fun. If you if you warped with a character, who would it be and what would your name be? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> it would have to be me and MODOK. Okay. So we'd have a great mustache. I actually have a 3D printed scan of my face on a MODOK toy that uh, <laughs> one of our partners did a couple years ago. Don't worry about that. It's great. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It would be... Yeah, Rydock maybe. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it would stand for. I haven't gotten that far. But uh, <laughs> Ryan organism designed only. Oh, but then you have to have a Y. Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> righteous young organism designed only for kaleidoscopes, and so like you can only truly sure. see my proper form through a kaleidoscope. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Makes, done. Makes perfect sense. What to about me? you? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to say uh, I would warp with um, I would warp with Uncle Ben and <laughs> I would be uh, just it would just be Uncle Tucker and I would just, you know, like have some nieces and nephews and I would just be dead. So that's it. <laughs> Truly the greatest. <laughs> it's just, it's pretty much the, it's just like our normal world, except I like it serves some kind of like vague inspiration for someone because like you visit my grave and whatever. All right, so while you heard our wonderful warps, you guys can think of your own warps. And thanks to our advertiser, Marvel MasterCard, you could actually pick up your own copy of Infinity Warps because if you have the Marvel MasterCard, you could do so much. You could apply for your Marvel MasterCard at marvelmastercard.com slash list, which will give you some really cool perks. You could earn 3% cash back rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cash back rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cash back rewards you can earn. And you can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Whoa. And even choose your own superhero from one of the awesome card designs like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, among others. Just visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. Next book this week we have is a very special one. It's Marvel Studios Captain Marvel Prelude number one. It's written by Will Corona Pilgrim, who is an executive at Marvel Studios. He knows everything inside and out. Really, really cool to get his perspective on everything with art by Andrea DeVito, colors by Laura Villari, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This book is really interesting because we essentially see what Nick Fury and Maria Hill have been up to for years. We go so far back 
in their timeline and fill in little pieces of story, little gaps, things that are happening in the background while the Avengers and all the superheroes are doing one thing in the spotlight. We get to see all the inner workings of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it really kind of goes from the events of Marvel Studios' Avengers Age of Ultron through Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War. Really cool as well to see as we travel through the timeline here to see these different characters visualized in a comic book in different ways. We kind of see Cap progress visually. We see Tony Stark and the Iron Man suits progress visually. Really, really cool to see that all rendered in a comic book. And we travel straight up through the holy moly events of the end of Marvel Studios' Avengers Infinity War, where Nick and Maria are driving in the car, and then stuff goes down. And, wow. It's it's a lot to take in. Yeah, a lot, you know... People ask about these issues all the time. Oh, is it just uh, is it recapping a, a movie or is it doing whatever? This is new canon content. You mm-hmm. see there, there's a big symbol on the front cover. And that means this is continuity for the MCU. All right. Up next is Ms. Marvel number 36, written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Nico Leone, colors by Ian Herring, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And I love this issue. It's simple. It's fret-free. It's about a story, telling a story about possibility, about the past and the future. Funny and quirky and, and neat. Like a little flashback into a possible past as thought up by Bruno while hanging out on a rooftop with Kamala. Just kids talking, yeah. kids dreaming, kids thinking. Lovely, lovely stuff. And next is Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 312. It's written by Sean Ryan with pencils and inks by Juan Frigeri. Colors by Jason Keith and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is a Spider-Geddon tie-in, so it's really, really cool to get this side kind of offshoot from the Geddon storyline. This takes place in Central Park. We see Peter Parker who's bruised and beaten and almost being killed by Moreland, one of the inheritors. And then we see some Miles Morales action in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, something we don't get that often. Really, really cool, who comes in to help out, to help save the day. This issue is really, for me, all about the spirit of Spider-Man, about the relentlessness. It kind of, in a way, felt like Amazing Spider-Man number 33, the iconic issue with Peter lifting up the debris and steel off of himself to go help save Aunt May. It felt like that. It kind of digs into that side of Spider-Man in a way where it's just like he refuses to give up, but all doing it in this specific spectacular Spider-Man universe wherein Jay Jonah is an ally and he's helping out. He's got his own vibe going on. It's all in here and it is really cool to see this knowing everything that's going on in Spider-Geddon, but it also just works as a great uh, individual issue if you're not digging into all that or vice versa. It is great, spectacular stuff. Yeah, the level of beaten up Peter is in this issue. It's rough. Uh, especially like the art, the way it's delivered is really well done. It is, isn't you feel the pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, ugh, rough. All right, up next is Spider-Man Deadpool number 41. And this was very nearly one of my picks of the week. Oh boy, Spider-Man and Deadpool road tripping around America. Yep. So much fun. It's written by Robbie Thompson, art by Matt Horak, colors by Brian Reber, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There's a montage of different states that they go to and the villains that they fight. Features, again, second appearance this week by Stiltman, 
we got Dr. Bong. We got Black Talon and Sugar Man. Wow. May not be the only time we see Sugar Man this week. You never know. Mm. We'll see. Uh, also, the fourth wall breaking here is mwah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, there's Next an, level. Right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's an appearance by a character from the microverse here, and the caption explaining this character's deal just made me crack up. Shout to Matt Horak, who does some really neat storytelling by making a page a full image, but then dividing it into panels and then placing the characters in different places, showing movement and progression of the story across the panels. It's really neat, fun comic book stuff that is just something sometimes you may take for granted, but I think it's a really wonderful uh, device. I love this book so much. Totally. Hey, hey, last week, a character called... Captain Cassian Andor was in the news for specific reasons. I may or may not have been yelping, screaming uh, alongside Faith Dysa uh, (laughs) uh, at my desk when we read about that. But relevant to Rogue One, a Star Wars story, highly relevant are the events in Star Wars Darth Vader number 23. Of course, in Rogue One, we saw for the first time the fortress of Darth Vader on Mustafar, on the place where it all very nearly ended. Some might say ended full stop for Anakin Skywalker. And this issue continues the story of how the fortress was built, why it was built, the dark mystic side of the dark side which i love so much it's really cool in the opening crawl which kind of serves as the recap in the credits page we see that uh you know the fortress is a gateway this is a quote a gateway momen says the the mask of momen which could even reunite vader with his deceased wife padme amidala wow so that's what's at stake here it's all brought to you by the fantastic Charles Soule with layouts by Giuseppe Camicoli, finishes by Daniele Orlandini, colors by David Curiel and Dono Sanchez Almara, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This issue is really fantastic because it essentially, in a way, is kind of a big montage with a bunch of different vignettes, a bunch of different jumping in and out of timelines and stories because we're seeing the attempts to build the fortress that kind of acts as like a tuning fork for the dark side. And then just the immense power that he's pulling in via the dark side, just destroying each version of the fortress. He then consults again with Momin, the mask of Momin, which I think is so cool. It's kind of an entity that lives within this ancient dark side artifact. And it's placed upon different hosts, essentially different Imperial soldiers, different lackeys who are then taken over by the mask and giving given voice that way. So that's such a cool dynamic. We see all the different versions of Fortress Vader leading up to the one that we actually see in Rogue One. Uh, This is in the build-up to issue number 25, which will be the final issue of Star Wars Darth Vader series, but uh, it's all coming to head in a really, really fantastic way here. Yeah, a moment in this gave me Loki vibes. Yeah. He was like evil, but like mischievous at the same time. Yes, and like manipulative and creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Got to give shouts to uh, Camo, Giuseppe Camacoli, and Elia Bonetti on the cover. It reminds me of Lord of the Rings art. Yeah. I collect a fair amount of Lord mm. of the Rings art. And I love Lord of the Rings. And it looks like Sauron overlooking Baradur in, yeah. in Mordor. I love this cover. I didn't even realize it was it was Camo at first because right. it's so different from his regular style. But it's 
one of the most awesome covers I've seen. Yeah, it's so cool. Next up is Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 26. This is written by Cy Spurrier, art by Emilio Lysso, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is just the horrible adventures of Dr. Aphra and Triple Zero. You know, got chaotic, evilish archaeologist Aphra and very twisted murder bot Triple Zero. Uh, they've got bombs in them, and they think they can't get further than 20 meters apart, or they explode. It is just full of hijinks. Very dark. Quite funny. If you are a Star Wars fan and not reading this series, I think you're missing out on one of the best totally. long-term stories told in the Star Wars. Any fiction, if I say so. Yeah, and, and this issue specifically feels like a great one to, to point that out on because... These characters have so much history. Triple Zero and Afra have so much history, and and you you get those notes here so much. I also want to say Ashley Witter, the cover artist, gorgeous, kind of like almost Blade Runner vibes on the cover and throughout the issue, which I loved so much. Next up, though, we have Thor number seven, which is written by the great Jason Aaron with guest art by Tony Moore. Whoa. Guest colors by John Roch and letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Gorgeous, gorgeous issue here. We see uh, kind of the story of young Thor. It's a flashback little story that is kind of gets to the heart of Thor's journey to becoming worthy. We see this young rebellious prince on the classic kind of prince, you know, young heir apparent story of like looking to escape the palace grounds and just kind of go off and be normal and have a normal life, but having so much responsibility on them the entire time. Uh, But instead of escaping the palace grounds for Thor, of course, it's just leaving Asgard and he goes to Midgard. All the while, though, the specter of his father of Odin is looking over his shoulder, kind of partially disappointed, partially kind of angry, waiting for him to come back, do the right thing. But we see a really fantastic story here of Thor falling in love. There's also some great classic devious Loki action all the way through. It is so much of what makes Thor the series so great. It's just fantastic. Yeah, um, talking about this being a love story, Jason's such a good writer of love poems. I will read you sort of the the way he described Erica the Red, the Viking that he falls in love with. Quote, smelled of innards and old leather, her body drenched in enough blood to drown a full-grown Saxon, a notoriously savage pagan princess who spit like a viper, drank like a shark, and roared like a boar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Next up is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 38 and A. This is one of my picks of the week. It's written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by Travis Lana. We are unraveling the mystery of the supposed squirrel girl that supposedly died in the first issue of this arc. We saw Doreen and company visit the funeral of Squirrel Girl, but turns out it wasn't. It was a hoax. But also the death was a hoax. It wasn't her. It was someone else. And there was a fake death. Anyway, we are seeing the journey of trying to unravel who that was, who kind of stole her identity, who and what that person is after. But I also love this issue because there's so much with Tony Stark in here. And that just works beautifully 
with Doreen and the entire group because they're just so different. They're so different. Tony, of course, is this high-flying, super tech, super genius, slick guy. And Squirrel Girl is just Squirrel Girl. You know, she is a superhero. She is unbeatable, but she just has that super specific tone. And seeing the contrast of that up against Tony Stark is so much fun. It's a really great issue because... There's so much room to play while all the while on the larger journey towards unraveling this mystery and getting into the action of it all. It's really, really fun. Yeah. There's just a, there's a scene of tippy toe pouting that yeah. is just Derek Charm crushing it. Oh, he is incredible. So good. Also so good. And as former X-Men editor Nick Lowe would say, it's the tasty juice. Next book is Uncanny X-Men number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is... Another pick of the week. Yes, it is one of your picks of the week. It is written by Ed Brisson, Matt Rosenberg, and Kelly Thompson with art by Mahmoud Asrar, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. You know, this is such an anticipated series, such an anticipated return, and it is three all-star writers coming together to work together to tell this story. So it's really cool just on that level alone to see how they're kicking things off, how they're starting things. And it's kind of all revolving around Jamie Madrox and Kitty Pride, And we kind of start there, and it's a big mystery. And, you know, I certainly don't want to spoil anything. This is a difficult issue, very difficult issue to speak about because there's so much going on. But alongside that, there is some fantastic Bishop stuff. Bishop, my favorite mutant, he is, he's got his, uh, you know, his duster on, his deerstalker hat, He's magnifying glass. He's walking around. He's like looking at fingerprints. Not really, but he is kind of uncovering a mystery of his own in his very specific way, which I love so much. And it's done so well. Yeah. Lots of Jamie Madrox yep. because Matt is one of the writers here. Yep. Lots of Glob Herman because Ed is one of the writers here. <laughs> uh, there's tons of 90s characters in here. OG X-Men, 70s international team, 90s favorites, next gen, current youngsters, but they all weave together so perfectly, which I think is really, really important. We really don't want to spoil too much other than saying, like, this is great. Plus, ask your local retailer because there is a, a supplemental free book called Secrets of the Uncanny X-Men. And uh, it's really, it's got concept art, previews, and plenty of behind the scenes stuff uh, about what's coming up, sort of like behind-the-scenes DVD extras yeah. for your comic, mm -hmm. uh, which is, is really neat. Yeah. Speaking of X-Men, want to give a big shout-out to our advertiser this episode, Kotobukiya, Japan's number one collector toy company, because they have this really cool line of X-Men 92 artifacts statue series. They're really, really neat. They're one-tenth the scale. Most of the statues are around seven inches tall. They look really, really cool. Yeah, the latest Marvel Art FX Plus expansion is the Nostalgic Pact X-Men 92 line. Exactly like you said, it features characters from the classic X-Men animated series, which we all love so much. These one-tenth scale figures are rendered in the dynamic style of the cartoon with bold sculpts and vivid colors, making them look as if they've jumped straight out of an animation cell. Yeah, you guys can see these on the video version of Marvel's pull list. We actually have them on the table with us, and they were cool. I was playing around with them. But this X-Men 92 series began with a, a two-pack of Wolverine and Jubilee, but Kotobukiya has added uh, Storm and Bishop, Cyclops and Beast, Rogue and Gambit, and Professor X. You guys can visit facebook.com slash Official for more details. 
Our next book is Unstoppable Wasp, number two. And this book is so sweet. It is written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Gurihiru, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And I say sweet because it really is. It's a sweet comic book. It's all about balancing superheroing with the lives of a bunch of girl geniuses, plus their amazing mentors and science and fun. They go to a wrestling match, this yeah. issue. Yeah, which, I knew you'd love that. Yeah, yeah, made me very happy. Plus, there's some really cool stuff about Mockingbird and her history. Gurihiru, they are just a natural perfect fit for this book the grasp on humor and heart of this book is so on point you know really delivering those extremely expressive faces and body language there's a scene in the car near the end which i just love they're mm-hmm. all crammed into the car with great reactions or all the times nadia is sleepy yeah it's great yeah uh next up we have spider geddon vault of spiders number two And this is a collection of four different stories. Okay, we have the prologue by Jed McKay, Scott Koblish, and Andres Mosa. Spider's Man by Colin Bunn, Mark Bagley, Andrew Hennessy, and Chris Sotomayor. The Spectacular Spider, Ma'am, by Ryan North, David A. Williams, and Andrew Crossley. The Spider Shock the Spider by Jeffrey Thorne, Todd Harris, and Andres Mosa, and it's all lettered by VCs Travis Lanham. There is such a wide variance of emotion and different stories that are going on throughout all of these, uh, from like the horrifying and action packed to Spider Man, which is like, I mean, just unbelievably Ryan Northy. It is so Ryan Northy, but my favorite thing is that this character has been around for decades. Yeah. Spider Man showed up in a what if in like the 70s. <laughs> uh, and just like, what if Aunt May got Spider Man's powers or whatever? And then she then showed up in Spider Verse. So the Ryan North could have created this character. Yeah, exactly. But didn't, and which makes. <laughs> It even more amazing. Yeah, totally agreed. She's got this great chef's hat as part of her costume. I don't even understand it. I <laughs> yeah, love it. It's so funny. Uh, and I specifically love that she throws down with the vulture yeah. in this story. So it's just a couple of, you know, a couple of uh, geriatrics going at it in the uh, most delightful way. And then, yeah, we have some really cool uh, different takes on the Spider-Man story within the kind of a, like a tech-inspired Spider-Man. Vault of Spiders number one was, uh, you know, one of our favorite books over the past little while. And uh, yeah, this book continues the wild cross multiversal fun. Yeah. Spider's Man is one of the most horrible, <laughs> horrifying things in the world. Yeah. He popped up in Spider-Geddon number three, and this is his origin and glimpse of his universe. So gross. It is basically a costume full of spiders yeah. with Peter Parker's sort of consciousness. I hate it and I love it. I, I love the like super specific like grammar like lead of that hero. It's <laughs> it's like attorney's general. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Spider's man. It's so fun. Yeah. Last book of the week is Venom number eight. And ooh, there's a lot of stuff brewing in this issue. It is written by Dangerous Donny Cates, art by Ivan Coelho, colors by Andres Mosa, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. There's some fun things with the maker in here, some stuff with former symbiote hosts, a couple of them. And I think it's going to be an issue you go back to down the road and you'd be like, oh, that's what that was all about when you, you know, you're reading books and couple months couple years whatever it is the Donnyverse is very expansive Mm -hmm. and so he's he just drops little seedlings here and there and like they may take fruit soon down the road you never know (laughs) 
There's some really nice scenes about Flash Thompson, who was Agent Venom for a few years. Uh, he died at the end of Dan Slott's Spider-Man run, but he had such a great arc with the symbiote, or whether he was going into space, when he was with the Guardians, all this other stuff. And he gets a nice like spotlight here, yeah. or, like celebration of his time with the symbiote, which I was really excited for. I really dig Iben's art in the Maker Venom fight. The Maker, he's this evil Reed Richards and he has a stretchy bits. Iben plays with that and like smushing his face and messing with his body. It's really neat stuff. Collections on sale this week include Luke Cage, Everyman. I want to give that a quick shout out because yeah. uh, we talk about our MDO this week, the Marvel Digital Original with Daughters of the Dragon. Luke Cage, Everyman was a digital original, so this is the first time it's in print. It's a really neat story. And now that it's getting chilly out, this story is set in like heat wave yeah. Harlem and like you could feel the muggy heat uh, throughout <laughs> it. It's a really, it's a cool, very intense story. We also have Marvel Knights Captain America by Reber and Cassidy, The New Deal, Marvel Masterworks The Mighty Thor Volume 17 in hardcover, Marvel's The Remastered Edition, Spider-Man Spider-Verse, Fearsome Foes, Miles Morales, Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Men. Those are four different collections. Those are really cool because yeah. they, like if you are going to go check out the Spider-Verse movie or if you're just interested in, in the various Spider-Verse things that are happening, it's a cool primer on things that are relevant. The collections are slightly smaller in scale, like actual size-wise. Mm. They're a little bit smaller, and I think they're going to be great if you have younger fans who want to check it out or just someone who wants to dip in. Really, really neat. Yeah, it's the perfect time. Uh, we also have Thanos, the Infinity Conflict. This one's cool. It's a it's a, like an OGN. Uh, Jim Starlin and Alan Davis. More of this weird, trippy, cool Thanos stuff. Uh, the Punisher, War Machine, Volume 2. The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 9, Squirrels Fall Like Dominoes, and X-Men Epic Collection, The Sentinels Live. All right, on the Marvel app this week, uh, a bunch of books. One I wanted to point out because it's beginning to look a lot like the holidays, <laughs> and we have Punisher Xmas Special from 2006. It's great. Uh, I love a good holiday book. This is up there. Digital collections on the app this week. Uh, some really good stuff like Strange Tales and Dark Avengers Ares, which is a, a cool book by uh, Kieran Gillen and Mike Oming. Definitely suggest you check that out on Marvel Unlimited. Tons and tons of stuff. There's a cool uh, Electra Limited series from early 2000s called Glimpse and Echo, which is real neat. More Mutant X, which uh, the collection just came out, but it's a neat alternate reality story I, I highly suggest you check out. What If number 16 from 1977, which is a great one. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. Some Thunderbolts and plenty more. We'll have the full list of all the books on all the platforms and all the things on Marvel.com. Yeah. We made it on a cross-country journey. Yeah. it's uh, Our car is full of like fast food wrappers and stuff. Oh, we smell. It smells so bad. <laughs> so bad oh it's been a long one yeah uh we'll be back with another episode next week i'm ryan and i'm tucker this is marvel your universe